Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Michael Jans. I'm the Partnership Engagement Manager with the Alberta Mentoring Partnership. With me here is Andrew Harris, who's all things web tech, communications technology for the AMP. I'm also joined by uh, Dr. Phil Sevigny and uh, 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 Vincenza Martinez. Martinovich, who is our uh, researcher on this project uh, about more men in mentoring. So we're going to get started in just a few minutes. But first of all, to welcome um, all of you to the call, I just want you to, in the uh, GoToWebinar uh, program that you're running, you will see there's a chat box. And in that chat box, I would love for you to say hello to us. And he's typing a hello message there. Uh, this will be helpful later because this is going to be the way that you ask us questions. So if you have questions during the presentations that you want Vincenza or Phil to take a crack at, best place, put them into the chat there. Andy is also going to be sharing a link to the survey that we're doing for this project. We really want your feedback. We want this to be an interactive webinar. Uh, this survey is going to be really helpful for us in the environment scan of this project. So if you take nothing else from this call, if you, if you hang up in just a couple of minutes, please go and click that survey. We'll send it out after, but, but open it up in the chat box now and follow along. I also want to plug a couple of upcoming events. As you know, with the Alberta Mentoring Partnership, we work to expand and enhance mentoring programs across Alberta. January is Mentoring Month. It's a chance for all of us to celebrate the good work and the volunteers in our programs that help make what we do happen. So it's a chance to cheerlead our successes, to talk about our, our innovation, to get out there into our communities, to engage the mayors, the city councillors, the town reeves, the, the uh, MLAs, the MPs, the people who need to know about our program but probably don't. January is like a birthday party for mentoring. It's just an exchange, it just a, a chance to have a cake, to come together and to celebrate what we do. So learn more about Mentoring Month at albertamentors.ca slash mentoring-month. And he's also gonna throw that into a chat. We have a download kit that we're gonna send to you. We have free graphics, we have videos. We can do your graphic design. We can help basically create, co-create with you a campaign. Pain. We just need a few things from you, such as your logo, contact details, etc. We'll send you the posters. You just have to print them out and put them up. So wherever you are in Alberta, we really want to pump up this mentoring campaign. Uh, we want uh, more mentors, and uh, you're a key part in helping us make that happen. So I talked about the survey. Please fill it in. I I talked about Mentoring Month. Please check that out. I also wanted to plug, we're going to, um, some of you will remember the National Mentoring Symposium in 2013 and 2016. A new opportunity is coming up called the Canadian Mentoring Symposium. It's going to be happening this March in Ottawa. I'm going to be sharing more information about that. So the uh, agenda and the details are not uh, totally finalized yet, but it's going to be an opportunity for, think more of a working group, think tank, thought leadership forum for those of us involved in mentoring who want to help build a pan-Canadian mentoring strategy. So you'll hear more about that. We're actually going to have one of the organizers on the uh, 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 on our podcast uh, next week. We'll send you out the audio for that, um, but check it out. So now, um, without further ado, we're going to... Um, um, Andy, are we going to pop a survey question or are we just going to uh, jump right into it? Jump right into it. Awesome. Well, then, um, uh, again, please, uh, I'm, not seeing, I'm not seeing you saying hello on the chat yet, so let's get some more hellos in there and uh, get your questions ready. So I'll pass the mic over to uh, Vincenzo and Phil. And first of all, I want to say thanks to these fine folks. They have been uh, helping us through this project ever since I uh, started with the AMP. Uh, four years ago, one of the first things I heard was that we, uh, from from the field, was mentoring programs telling us we have a challenge recruiting more males as mentors. When I talked to uh, Liz O'Neill, um, our co-chair about this at the AMP, she said, Michael, that's been a challenge for, for 40 years in the mentoring movement in her career. So um, we're curious to dig into this a little more, look at some systemic barriers. There's new opportunities changing, new technology. Uh, let's try and uh, turn this upside down and take a look at it, maybe a different way. And we can't do that without your help and without a thorough examination. So that's where Phil and Vincenza come in. So we've been working with them over the last six months. It's uh, uh, exciting to have these conversations. And we this opportunity today in this webinar is a chance to sort of let you into the process before we have some sort of a, uh, a grand reveal in the new year. But more on that later, and I'm gonna pass over the mic. So uh, uh, Vincenza, over to you. Oh, actually, I'm going to Phil first. Here, Phil. Thanks, Michael. We'll change seats. Okay, sure. Uh, thank you, Michael, for that warm, warm welcome. Uh, here, what what we want to do today, like you said, we're in the midst of this project where we're uh, trying to take a look, and we'll we'll speak more specifically about our project uh, in a few minutes. Um, 
what I want to do here is who's are are you advancing the slides or am I okay moving forward okay oh too far back one there we go all right so basically what we uh, want to do today we're, we want we uh, will be providing kind of an update as to what we've been doing uh, with this current project uh, that we're engaged in with the AMP um, so what I want to do just to start by way of uh, just providing a little bit of context and uh, grounding for this kind of work uh, that's that we're doing so I'm going to talk I'm going to say a few words first of all about the kinds of language we're going to use just so we're all on the same page we'll chat a little bit about the current landscape of mentoring which likely will not come as any shock to anybody on our line um, uh, with some of the research that i uh, do i'm going to make a, a quick link to some masculinities um, and then mercifully i will be done and you will hear more about the uh, this exciting work that we are doing right now so first we'll get started with uh, just in, in terms of like a word about language and I, I always start with this because when we talk about about men and men's roles and men's caring right there's some there can be some uh, gender and identity politics at, at play uh, so for our purposes frankly we cast a very wide inclusive net right when we're talking about males or men it's we just we're, we mean anybody who actually self-identifies as such okay uh also when we're talking about research and things like that oftentimes we uh you know we'll speak about right the average man or the average person um and really we, we want to be careful of uh, that because uh an average is just kind of this statistical magic that we do right because everyone is different and everyone is unique and men are very, just men, women, children, uh, we're a very uh, diverse group, okay? So in inevitably, uh, we're gonna talk about what the trends in the research are, what the average is, when we know the reality of it is far more complex, interesting, and messy. Uh, and uh, along with that, right, I wanna be very cautious about, you know, trying to essentialize what all men should be. Right, because I, uh, I, we, um, one of our key values is respect for individuality and respect for diversity. Um, and certainly, when we're talking right now about this issue about who are the men in mentoring, right, it can be very, it can be easy to slip into what I call false dichotomies, right? Things like where we say, for if we're going to be focusing on men, does that mean women don't matter? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. Um, really, so what our purpose and our guiding principle throughout all the work that we do is what are some of the ways that we can help foster resilience, help foster development in our kids, help, help our next generation to be healthy and better than we are. So when we take a look, so again, that's, so that's, that's my kind of my, my soapbox start kind of just to uh, hopefully lay a little bit of groundwork and foundation as to where we're coming from. Um, and of course, as I'm sure many of you know, right, we do know, uh, based upon this uh, lovely 2016 Alberta Mentoring Partnership Survey uh, that was uh, commissioned by AMP, there are certain groups of people who are just more likely to report being a formal men men mentor, and those are, of course, women. Um, and also those who were mentored as youth themselves, um, well, they're 1.6 times more likely to become a mentor themselves as a young person or as a young adult, pardon me. Okay. And when we tried, we're trying to get a, a handle on kind of the, like where the current uh, field is here in Canada and what the reality is for mentoring organizations. And so we uh, looked at some of the data that was, uh, that was made available uh, from our partners at Big Brothers Big Sisters Canada. And approximately, there's a, there's, it's about a two to one ratio of men to women. Uh, in terms of who um, 
they have on their roster across the country. Do you mean, pardon me? Women to men or men to women? Uh, two, two to one female to male mentors. Got it. Did I misspeak? I might have misheard. I, yeah, I also may have misspoken. So we know, so there's, a, in other words, there's about twice as many women who uh, are volunteering to mentor as there are men. Conversely, and at the same time, um, right, we're, we're, we're still trying to get a handle on various weight list data because it's, it's kind of tricky and it's hard to uh, get, a, get a complete sense because different, the different weight, weight lists vary across the country. And of course, different organizations um, manage their weight, weight lists in a variety of ways and a lot of cre creative ways to uh, provide services. Uh, well, but when we looked locally, right, we found that uh, on, on our wait list, there was approximately two thirds of the kids who were waiting for a mentor were boys. So we have a situation where we have twice as many female mentors as males and about two thirds um, of those uh, waiting to be matched are boys. And again, and again, as uh, Michael said earlier, this is not a new question, right? The longstanding question in many human service uh, se sectors is, where the heck are all the guys anyway? Uh, this is a question that I that I looked I started looking at 20 years ago when I was a social worker in the mighty metropolis of Stony Plain, Alberta. Um, so, right, so this is something that we uh, we looked at in our parent support agencies. Uh, if we take a look through daycare and the parent school boards, uh, women uh, outnumber men disproportionately. Teaching, particularly in elementary and primary school teaching, um, nursing, so social work. Right, this is this is not a new question. So how come? How come? No guys in the, or very few guys in these uh, in these pro professions. Is it right? Is it is it because it's not manly to do this work? Right. There's been a lot of um, ink ju ju justifiably spilled uh, in the last in the last while around the notion of toxic masculinity. Um, some scholars talk about it in term in a. a fancy word hegemonic masculinity which is really just kind of the the um the culturally what what seems to be the culturally most valued way or what has been the most valued way of being a, a man the things most associated with masculinity right and the things that that often get talked about are things like stoicism right power power over others control over others right blunting of our emotions um, and in a val valuing in many ways of assertion and aggressive behavior. And yet what we know from years and years of research is that right when we have guys who strictly adhere to these things, it's not a good thing. It's not healthy. Uh, it's not healthy for men's physical health, uh, our emotional health, our relationships, our well-being. It's just, it's uh, overall not the, necessarily the best way. And things are in fact changing. Uh, some colleagues out of uh, the uh, of the U University of Calgary, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, they did a large-scale survey of men here in Alberta, and they got over 2,000 respondents of men uh, from a variety of walks of life, a variety of uh, backgrounds, uh, both educational backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. It was a multilingual survey. And among many of the things that they did there, they actually asked guys uh, to name the qualities that they thought best describe a man. And what do we find? Right? And we find that, okay, so yes. 40% still um, ad adhere to sort of this notion of like a traditional or what they call a normative masculinity, right? Things like being strong, determined, being a provider and protector. But here's what I want everyone to think about. 40%, right? That was the most common in the survey. 
But that tells me that the majority of men in this province don't subscribe to that way of being in the world, right? Um, a substantial portion talked about this notion of an ethics masculinity, how to be a good person, how to be responsible, uh, how the importance of count being counted upon. A substantial portion talked about being emotional and loving and nurturing, and then the the rest was a mishmash of stuff that didn't fit nicely in one category. So times they are changing, and something that is just hot off the presses um, work that was done uh, recently. Um, there's a, a study done of young Canadian men, and lo and behold, what we find. Uh, when we look at the the traits and things that young men value and what they think is important to them about being a man is a whole variety of things. So yes, we we look at the notion of um, uh, uh, autonomy again is also important. Um, and they talked about strength and a number of them talked about, you know, being being big, strong men and having big muscles. But the understanding of that was also nuanced where strength for a lot of the guys was about having emotional strength um, and emo emotional awareness, being able to care for other people and being open to trying new things. So the days of, um, of the, of the man, manly man and the man's man, man, uh, there are always going to be people like that. Um, but they aren't necessarily in the majority anymore. And that's, I think, something that often gets overlooked um, in some media portrayals and pop culture portrayals, um, but it seems to be uh, what our cultural landscape is turning into, thankfully. So against that backdrop, we have partnered with the Alberta Mentoring partnership and received uh, some funding and support both from AMP and from an organization called MyTax to look a little bit more in depth um, starting starting here in uh, the province. So we wanted to look at basically what do we know about um, what is effective in terms of recruiting and retaining males as men mentors, right? What are some of the common barriers and challenges? And ultimately, really, what are some of the best practices that we can uh, pro 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 promote based in the research, but also based in our reality here? Uh, because obviously not all places, in not all places in the province are the same. So what's gonna necessarily work here uh, in downtown uh, may not necessarily work in Grand Prairie or in Fort Mac or where, wherever it is you are listening in from. So to talk a little bit more about some of the things we've been doing so far in our project, I will turn the mic over uh, to, uh, to Vin Vincenza to take it from there. Thank you. Um, so over the past several months, we've been conducting a scoping review which essentially is a review of the literature on a certain topic that helps to identify what's been done to date, as well as any notable gaps or future directions for research. And broadly speaking, our reviews focused on challenges in recruiting and retaining men in mentorship roles, as well as best practices for recruiting and retaining men in these roles. In terms of our initial findings, we found no peer-reviewed published studies that have specifically investigated the challenges in recruiting and or retaining men in mentorship roles within community organizations. Uh, however, within the gray literature, there's various evaluations, reports, handouts and toolkits, et cetera, that do contain strategies for recruiting and retaining male mentors. Um, and these are accessible online. Uh, for some of these resources, however, we found there to be insufficient evidence to suggest that they're rooted in empirical research, um, whereas other sources were never published and subject to the peer review process. 
um, our approach, therefore, shifted to looking at men who choose careers or vocations, working with young children, as well as vulnerable populations as a parallel area of study. Um, so, for example, education, nursing, or social work, and the different challenges that are involved with regard to recruiting or retaining men in these fields. And there is a reasonable body of literature in other professions, and we believe that these findings can be applied to help us better understand the mentoring field. Um, so, based on our review of other um, traditionally female dominated disciplines. Um, we noted a common theme in terms of enhancing the visibility of males through the use of male role models or other staff as an effective recruitment and retention strategy. And essentially this allows men to see themselves in different roles and professions and connects them with someone who they feel that they can relate to. Uh, and we propose that this finding can be applied within a mentorship context as well. So that's a summary of our scoping review. Uh, moving on to the next part of our project, we are currently in the process of conducting an Enviro scan with mentoring agencies across Alberta who provide a variety of different school, community, and site-based mentoring programs. And some of the guiding questions in our study involve what are the challenges you've faced in recruiting or retaining male mentors? Um, and in general, participants thus far have spoken mainly about challenges with recruitment relative to retention. Uh, so it seems that once agencies are able to kind of get men in the door and get them involved, that they're, able, they're more so able to keep them as mentors um, but the act of getting them involved in the first place is where they're experiencing the majority of their challenges. Uh, we also asked participants if relative to females, whether or not their agency currently has a shortage of male mentors. Um, and as a follow-up question, we probed further as to why they believe this difference exists and has persisted for so long. Um, we also asked what their organization is currently doing to help recruit or retain male mentors. Um, and these strategies differ depending on the organization, where they're located, um, their staff, et cetera. Um, and we also probed further as to whether or not they're aware of any other effective strategies that other organizations are using and if they've tried these themselves. Um, so based on the initial interview data collected so far, all of the organizations that we've spoken to have reported a shortage of male relative to female mentors. And when asked why they believe these differences exist, um, some participants noted that um, they believe that men don't view themselves as possessing the skills required to mentor, or that they have anything um, of value to offer a child or a youth in a mentorship context. Uh, participants also spoke about the proportion of males, particularly in Alberta, that engage in shift work as a significant factor that might influence their um, capacity or ability to take on a mentoring role. And for some organizations, being able to commit to spending time with a mentee on a regular basis for the duration of a year is a requirement to become a mentor. Um, and for a lot of these men doing shift work in Alberta, their schedules just pose a challenge in terms of maintaining this commitment, despite a willingness to be involved as a mentor. Uh, additionally, a lot of participants commented on gendered stereotypes regarding positions that involve children as women's work. Um, and interestingly enough, this was discussed both in relation to men becoming a mentor, as well as in terms of seeking employment in mentoring agencies. And we think that this relates back to this idea of the lack of visibility of men in these settings as being an essential consideration moving forward. All right, so based on our interview data, we've identified a few recruitment strategies and we're continuing to add to and further develop this list as we conduct more interviews. Um, one strategy that was noted by multiple participants was utilizing current male mentors 
as a resource and engaging these men in the recruitment process. Uh, so for example, staff can connect with current male mentors, ask if they have any friends that might be interested in becoming involved, or if they have ideas for recruiting other men. Uh, male mentors can also uh, advocate in the broader community as well as within their own social network. So speaking to friends or family members, um, explaining to them what mentorship entails, um, and maybe giving them some insight into the fact that this is something that um, is possible for them and they might find a lot of enjoyment in. Um, for staff, some participants talked about taking the time to build and foster relationships with different communities, for example, indigenous communities, through volunteering and attending events, um, as well as establishing connections with industries and job sites that are male-oriented. So for example, companies that hire primarily men um, or industries with men, mechanics, auto body shops, et cetera, and recruiting um, specifically from these populations. Another recruitment strategy that was mentioned involved hosting male-oriented events. So for example, organizing a recruitment event at a bar during a sports game um, was mentioned and such activities essentially help to engage men um, as well as raise awareness in the broader community surrounding the need for male mentors, which is something that um, they might not be aware of themselves. Um, so it's our hope that the information we obtain from these interviews will provide greater insight into the challenges faced by mentoring organizations, as well as help to generate a list of recruitment strategies that agencies can draw upon um, and that we can disseminate within the larger mentoring community. All right, so in terms of how you can become involved, we do have a copy of our EnviroScan online, um, as Michael mentioned at the beginning of the presentation. Um, and we would be very grateful if you took the time to fill this out. Um, just so we can gather more information. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So Vincenzo, if somebody uh, on the call wants to circulate this EnviroScan to uh, a colleague at work or a person mm -hmm. in their community or faith leader or something, is that okay as well? That's definitely okay. So they don't have to directly be in a mentoring organization or what are, what are the parameters there? Um, I would say anyone that has experience or knowledge of the lack of male mentors, we would be happy to gather your perspective. Yeah, excellent. Well, now's the time. Uh, we'll turn it over to you, the audience. If you have various questions, you can start typing them in now um, as we wait for you to uh, stretch those fingers and get them moving. Uh, look, uh, Phil or Vincenzo, did you want to add anything? Just, yeah, what's, what was really, what's really striking to me, I suppose, right, because as as researchers right we all we want to look and see what other researchers have done and basically what we found so far is not a whole lot um, so we have an opportunity to start from the ground up um, which is one, one of the reasons why we're in the process of doing this enviro scan right so that we can uh, learn from you learn with you um, and help uh, support and uh, promote effective ways that have worked for you and learn from your challenges as well. So the first question I have is sort of challenging the premise of our whole project in the first place. Um, and, and Bill, maybe this you could take a crack at this first with your other research, but does it matter if a, a uh, young male has a female mentor? Does it matter if a young male has a female elementary school teacher? What is the... Uh, could you speak about the importance of representation or or because because if I recall your presentation you shared previously, the most important factor here is a caring adult. That being said, we need to uh, look at look at these other pieces. So could you unpack that a little more about why why in particular representation of men matters? Sure. That's a 
thanks, Michael. That's that's a big question and an important one. So for, first of all, again, we're in absolutely no way are we looking at devaluing any of the work that uh, women are are doing in supporting kids because we know one of the most robust findings from our research from 50 plus years of research into childhood resilience, the most important factor, the most important thing to help a, to help a kid bounce back from adversity is having at least one caring adult, right? It doesn't have to be a parent. It doesn't have to be a same sex uh, match. Um, so the, the important thing is having at least one person in your corner, right? Which I think all of us uh, at some point, uh, hopefully have had that experience. Um, in terms of, in terms of doing, in terms of encouraging men to mentor boys, part of what this is about is, right, Michael used the word representation, right? Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good role modeling that, that can happen in, in that kind of re, relationship. So for example, right, we know that, um, uh, adults tend or are more likely to become mentors um, when they're younger, right? Up to about age 25 or 26. So we also know from some of the research that I that I just mentioned that young men in that de demographic also value a nuanced view of what it is to be a man, right? And those sorts of nuanced views. Um, uh, that that merge physical with emotional strength and self selflessness um, and caring for others can be transmitted um, to our to our next uh, gen gen generation of boys. So there is an important role to play, right? Um, and we would like to do what we can to to support that in a good way. Can you skip back to the slide with our three questions for the exercise? Um, so we have a question here. Um, uh, 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 it's kind of more of a comment. Completely agreeing with our recruiting strategies and um, and our uh, recruiting challenges, um, sort of a reiteration of the problem that we're experiencing. I was wondering if um, one one organization I'm aware that has been um, also trying to establish uh, establish more engagement for men has been uh, faith organizations. There's mm -hmm. uh, more prevalence around men's breakfast, men's activities, etc. And and we can we can obviously acknowledge that sometimes there's some some masculinity challenges there that we want to unpack as well too about about the role role of men. But in general, faith organizations are um, normalizing more non-traditional male bonding and and activities. So I was wondering if that had come up in the research. Um, so far, based on the participants I've spoken to, um, it hasn't. Um, however, in the literature that I've been reading for the scoping review, that has been um, a consideration that other researchers have looked into. Um, it's a community where um, men are willing to be involved and um, they have set up a lot of good um, events to engage them within the community, particularly with younger males. Another um, one of our partners previously, and we did a, a feature video on the spoke, the bike, the building bikes, building relationships, which Andy, I, I can ask you to throw into the throw into the comments as well. Um, but that was an, uh, a mentoring program based around an activity. Have, mm -hmm. um, in your research, have you are you able to share uh, is activity based mentoring sort mm -hmm. of a, a best bet for this work? Yes, lots of participants have spoken about using activities as a way of engaging men. Um, particularly I'm trying, activities such as mechanics, um, archery, um, other male-oriented events such as going to sporting outings, etc. So those have frequently come up as ways of engaging men, particularly in group settings. Um, and sort of that hands-on time together um, has been spoken of positively, both from the perspective of the mentee and the mentor. It's funny, I've heard that a lot about the, one of the biggest barriers is I don't, if I was a male mentor, I don't, like from a male mentor, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what to do with my mentee. What would, yeah. what would we do together? Sort of that, exactly. that, that first hurdle is, is trying mm -hmm. to picture yourself in the role. Yeah. And one participant actually spoke about 
bringing a group of male mentees to a workplace setting. Um, and this provided the men working there with the opportunity to exactly as you said, gain that perspective. I do have something um, to show this child or to teach this child and mentoring might not be so bad. It might be something that I can see myself doing and find a lot of value in. Um, so that's another option that organizations are looking into. So another question is, is your research looking at mentoring in general or specific to one-to-one -one mentoring? Like, are you interested in recruiting men for group mentoring or work placement, uh, other, other opportunities? Um, currently, we're being fairly inclusive, so we're not specifying whether or not it's one-to-one -one or group-based mentorship. Um, and this is primarily because a lot of the organizations we're speaking to um, are new to this idea of male mentorship. So some of them only have group-based options. Um, so we're trying to conduct a wide scan of what's going on within the province of Alberta and how we can um, engage men more broadly. And a question about um, just about the research collection. How many men have you talked to in the process? Uh, do you do you, maybe maybe if you could speak a bit about data collection or, or your the, how you're doing this? Um, thus far, the majority of participants I have spoken to have been female, and again, I think this is um, this is something that came up within a lot of the interviews that even on an organizational level, not just um, within mentors, that it is primarily women. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's also important to note that uh, within this project, we have a fairly we have a we have a fairly tight uh, time 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 frame, and it's, it's uh, at this point we're starting out. So where we want to start out was finding out well what are what's happening on the ground for or organizations, and certainly I think some of our uh, we're when we'll be in uh, the process in the next li little while of sorting out well what next, and I think it is absolutely important uh, to speak to some guys who are actually mentoring kids right now to learn from them. Mm -hmm. um, and that, so yeah, so that is definitely on our radar and we are going to be moving in uh, that space um, at this point, right? We're, we're trying to learn from the or organizations first because mm -hmm. we have to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, uh, and then one of, one of the other questions that came up was around work, uh, workplace mentoring or connecting work, uh, uh, workforce organizations to mentoring and, and the comment was about um, more and more, uh, we're hearing about the soft skills, social emotional tools that um, that really advance someone in the career. About the communication skills, the listening skills. It's not. It's not, not just the. Um, it, it, it's not just about the the, the knowledge skills. It's it's, a, it's those other attributes too. And um, just wondering about how uh, potential tie-ins between um, this work and then work uh, potential workforce engagement. Okay. Um, no, that's uh, that's also very that's also a very good question. Yeah. And because uh, first of all, so there has been some work for first off, just in terms of within a workplace, mm -hmm. having more senior people mentor younger colleagues, right? So that's mm -hmm. that's not the kind of thing that we're talking about with our project, of course. That's a little bit outside the scope. Mm -hmm. But in terms of supporting some of those so-called soft skills or the people skills. Um, I think that's uh, something that is certainly on or that I've been thinking about as well and more and more is in terms of when people are starting out in their in in their career, I think some of the um, some of those intangible skills that that get learned by being a mentor to a young person um, will absolutely transfer. Into other in in, in environments, uh, whether someone ends up sitting around a board a board table, and you have to listen to a variety of different opinions and figure out what's really going on, um, those are some of the skills that, of course, that um, we learn as men mentors, and they can transfer for sure, absolutely, in terms of how much and with kind and things like that, you know, those are those are other questions that I think we need to think about and uh, look at too. It's interesting. We had a comment in the questions here saying um, uh, one organization said they actually have uh, a number of male mentors, and they said it's kind of a, um, a, a 
and this is sort of a in in some ways speaks to the representation they said once they it was sort of a perpetuating success once they had a number of male mentors they were able to get more male mentors because it yeah. normalized it normalized the activity the hard part it seems uh, they shared is getting started in the first place which comes back to our our questions here on the screen absolutely yeah absolutely yeah because I think yeah it's once you get a critic critical mass then yeah then good 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 things continue good things breed more good things yeah yeah um i would uh andy's gonna throw it into the queue as well too but our uh we did a podcast episode i believe it's episode 18 with a human resources director who who of a of a plastic fabrication plant who did a thursday afternoon mentoring uh at 12 till 1 they bust over elementary kids to their plant where the um employees and the engineers met with the students and uh, again, it was a mostly male workforce, but they did this corporate workplace um, youth volunteer opportunity where the, uh, the youth were brought in. They did activities together 12 to 1, and he said it was the best professional development their company had invested in. The employees were more in engaged. They were more energized. They were solving problems better together. He said the ripples were felt all week. So um, getting stories out there as well about, I think, if we're looking to recruit men, we kind of have to go where the men are, and for a lot of um Unfortunately, the, the the structure of society is still a lot of the men nine to five are 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 at work. So that's sort of a um, a, a piece there. Uh, another question that came up was um, just about how uh, um, how we make sure that um, in the process of uh, recruiting men, we're recruiting all men, not just not just the sort of stereotypical. Caucasian yeah. affluent upperclassmen that we were looking across representation in SES or social uh, socioeconomic status has um have you found uh, a certain type types or or subgroups of men are more likely to volunteer than others or has that come up at all um, or has that come up in other research around are certain cultures um, di different definitions of masculinity affecting uh, youth service I would say Within the literature I've read for the scoping review within the United States, there is a larger body of literature dedicated to recruiting African-American males. So there's several handbooks or guides um, specifically targeting this population. Um, within research published in Canada, I haven't found too much to date, um, specifically looking at different groups. Um, I'm not sure if I'm with you. No, the the, the res research base here uh, in the in in our country is still uh, we'll call it an area of growth. Um, so there's still there's there's a lot of good good questions that are being raised uh, that mirror some of our own questions, frankly. Um, and I think I have some suspicions or some hypotheses, perhaps, but at this point it would be conjecture. Um, so I've, I want to be very, I, I want to be, you know, cautious and, and careful and respectful in what I put forth, frankly. Um, yeah. There was another question about economic structure and how Alberta has uh, more because of our uh, oil and gas and more more industry-based economy. A lot of um, communities, well, men may have week-on-week-off jobs or might yeah. have, um, they might be working 412s or something, and yeah. they may not be able to make the commitment of, of being a youth mentor and maybe this might be a question more for the audience on the call but how have um how have you structured your program to engagement can you allow instead of one hour a week do you allow two hours every two weeks is there is there some sort of structural change in your program that you you've broken down barriers to become more inclusive we'd really like to hear from you i guess i see some of you on the call are from mentoring agencies and i know who you are and i know what you do so we'd love to hear from you um but vincenza has that come up or, or that, that has come up actually within some of the interviews I've conducted. So some agencies are being um, a bit more flexible given men's work schedules, and they're allowing them to have shared mentorship. So if there's another male who's also doing shift work, um, they can both mentor the same child and they can switch off. So when one is available, um, the other would, um, would take on the role. Um, this is a new initiative, um, but it is responsive to the Alberta economy and the fact that the major, uh, large proportion of men do engage in shift work. Um, shared mentorship has also been discussed within the context of a couple, so having a husband and wife both being a mentor. Um, so just being flexible and responsive, I think, um, is an approach used by several organizations that seems to be effective. 
Awesome. So um, I see a couple of people chiming in here. Yep, they mentioned big couples having mm-hmm. a having a couple together, mentoring a young person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, um, another comment: one of one of our guests was at the um, the event we did the learning the MP learning days at Mount Royal, where oh, he yes. spoke, and they were saying accolades about that presentation. So I'd encourage you, if you were at that presentation, to do still fill in the survey. We did take some notes there, but it would be helpful for Vincenza to assist with the data collection as well too. So. Um, uh, I think one of one of the bullets that um, uh, sometimes I think it's a bit of a we we think other people have figured it out and got it right. So I'd really encourage um, number three, if you know of somebody else in your community who's doing a good job, who seems to have more male mentors than you, or has a better job engaging males as volunteers, we really want to hear about those strategies too. Especially if it's not just in particular towards mentoring, if it's towards a uh, another youth serving program or or something else. We're we're curious to hear about that because we think all of this is very complimentary. Absolutely, Michael. Yeah, you bet. You know something I'm curious about too, and I, and it's a question that all all uh, pose. Uh, also, I'm curious about, and I start to think about this when you said like the the fourth working four twelves or one week on one week off. Is is there room? within a mentoring program to have like to have like uh, a FaceTime check in or or doing some men, men mentoring or conversations via Skype right because I know that's that's often ways where people stay in touch when they're not necessarily physically present all the time and that raises a bunch of other issues um, but I'm, I'm curious about kind of the possibilities as a complementary strategy that might hold. And I don't know, maybe I'm off base. No, actually, um, you're you're right on that. And as as um, uh, technology is improving, we're seeing more more connections about this. And we we know of a few pro- programs where um, this has helped in cross cross interest mentoring, like a, a a student in particular field who wants to go to post secondary in that field can connect with somebody, even if that institution is distant or far away. Um, we know that just with um, uh, with with traffic, with challenges, in in sometimes uh, you can drive an hour and a half to meet somebody for one hour. That in some communities, that um, this is this is also being explored too. Um, I think there's a, there's still a strong strong commitment to the face to face and the importance of that relationship. But maybe on occasion, a face to face time might be something that um, might might be we see more prevalence there. So I think well, that's another great question we'll put out to the field. And um, I'm seeing a couple more responses here. Um, yeah, yeah, a reiteration about an openness to technology and flexibility, and and um, knowing that there's some uh, there's some other other communities that have been experimenting with this too. Yeah. So so um, somebody also said it'd be great if we could have the, um, the men doing de- doing virtual chats. The problem is we can't get the men in the door in the <laughs> yeah. first place. So I think it might be a yeah. Um, I think uh, for some of us being clear on what the what the ask is of the men is it one hour one week one hour once a week every week is it is it mm-hmm. something else is there a virtual component and then thinking about that think about that too sure no yeah. that's valid point absolutely yeah. so but I but I, I I like the challenge um, in all of this about thinking differently about who's not in the room and and how do we bring them here and how do we connect with them mm-hmm. um, I also um uh, uh, one of my colleagues was at a conference and heard about a mentoring program that they just exclusively target men. They only do recruitment of men um, because they know that by by doing that, they'll get more men, but also um, by the awareness raised for their program, they still actually had um, more more than sufficient um, women coming through the door anyway, through word of mouth, through mentor referrals, through everything else. So they 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 just focused all of their marketing and their recruitment 100% towards towards men because they really wanted to fix that issue of representation. So it's something at the AMP we're trying to be a little more cognizant of too when we when we're doing creative, when we're doing ads or photos or anything. We're just trying to not not put out material that is that stereotype of sort of the um, upper white middle class uh, senior woman mentoring a, a young woman with perfect teeth, both from upper affluent backgrounds. We're trying to be um, we're trying to be more cognizant of, of, of we want everyone in Alberta to see themselves in in mentoring and we're trying to find images and videos and everything that are reflective of that and uh, and mirror that. 
Yeah, again, again, some more discussion about FaceTime and the virtual. So that's coming up uh, um, there too. So that's something we'll definitely have to unpack around a broader conversation of digital mentoring. And uh, um, I think it's duly noted here. Were there other, um, I want to be respectful of everyone's time, Was were, were there other pieces you wanted to share or? Um, at this point, just uh, just to reiterate again, I suppose that uh, right that this the our program uh, the the project that we have is in progress now, right? So we're still um, uh, eager to hear more stories from the field and be able to collect them, uh, and then hopefully what we. Uh, we're hope we're hopeful that in in the new uh, year we'll be in a place where we can share some of the things that we've learned and compiled, and then put it back to you and uh, share some uh, share our thoughts, share our ideas, and hopefully together we can build some um, strategies, some some kind of toolkit uh, that will be diverse enough. Uh, to meet to meet as many needs as we can. Yeah. No. Excellent. Yeah. The goal the goal of this work is absolutely to create something that um, is of value to the field and can help guide all of us in our our next steps going forward with suggestions from the field for the field. So it's it's uh, it's um, uh, mentoring practitioners helping mentoring practitioners and that's uh, that's that's wonderful. So um, as Phil alluded to, we're looking at a tentative event uh, in Edmonton in February. Some sort of a a uh, um, a work be together where you would be invited along with representatives from uh, corporate or philanthropy or foundation and others will come together for um, a gathering to unpack some of these questions more, a bit of a call to action, a bit of a connection and talking about and celebrating the important work we do. So stay tuned um, for more information about that as it's forthcoming. And uh, again, I just want to uh, thank again Phil and Vincenza for for engaging with us, for asking the, the the tough questions, for taking a look at this, it's always it's always good when you're immersed in a field to have fresh eyes from the outside to come and ask and to challenge and to to think about that. And they've both done a fantastic job. So we look forward to uh, uh, to see what's coming forth. So if you're on the line and you still want to engage, make sure you're signed up for the AMP's newsletter. That's where we'll be sharing all details. Go to albertamentors.ca. There'll be a pop-up. Make sure your email is included there. We can share more information. If you go to the More Males Mentoring page, we'll be uh, posting more information there, as well as the video from uh, today's presentation, as well as the slide deck. Um, I'd encourage you to reach out directly to Phil or Vincenzo if you have specific uh, feedback or questions um, that we can engage with you further. If you know of people who should be in the room in February when we come together, reach out to me as well. It's uh, it's early days. I know it's the new year. We're, um, we're hoping to bounce off all of the excitement of Mentoring Month right into this project and hopefully move things forward. So um, with uh, looking around the room, seeing nods and thumbs up, then uh, uh, no further questions. We wish you all the best in your day and happy mentoring.